For the past three years, the southern border of the United States has been the site of millions of immigrants crossing into the southwestern states. Historic numbers of people have entered the U.S. without observing standard entrance processes. Uh, No one argues that this influx of immigrants is a mixture of bona fide asylum seekers, uh, poor people seeking a better life, but also persons advancing the interests of criminal organizations involved in drug and human trafficking. The problem is so many immigrants are pouring through official and illegal entry points that it's impossible to vet each person and to ensure safety for our citizens and communities. People on all sides are frustrated and angry at each other. And with increasing urgency and volume, people are calling for better border policy that will allow good people in at a manageable level and definitely keep the bad people out. Some see this as a national invasion that must be turned back. Others as a compassionless, broken system that just simply should not be enforced. No matter where you stand on this issue, in this podcast, I'm going to argue that the only way to reduce the vitriol among the opposing sides is for all of us to change our policies regarding another border. And for that to happen, a greater measure of good character will be required from us all. Hi, I'm Doug Newton, pastor for 45 years, national award-winning magazine editor and author of 24 books. And this is At the Intersection with Doug Newton, where scripture, culture, and character meet. Now, I'm here to help you pursue the kind of character needed to align with scripture faithfully and to engage culture graciously. Graciously. Now, each week I make one observation about our culture. I give one insight from the Bible that speaks to that issue, and I suggest one way to strengthen the character that you and I need to relate to our mixed-up world with exemplary grace and fresh impact. This is a no-gripe zone. (laughs) No-gripe zone. Our question is not, what's wrong with our culture? It's about the right way to respond. So you ready? Here we go. Now, I have to admit, I'm among the vast majority of Americans who are scratching their heads over one simple, even though some might accuse us of being simplistic, (laughs) uh, one simple question. Why are we so lax about the entrance requirements into our nation? We think things like, I can't even go to a ball game, or I can't get into Costco without showing that I'm legally entitled to be there. And, and of course, if I try to enter the boarding gates at any airport without going through the TSA checkpoint, I will be instantly arrested. Shouldn't we be similarly vigilant about vetting people wanting to come into our country? That's what many, many people are asking. And I'm not talking about how many people we do or don't allow in. I'm not denying that immigration laws and the system might need to be overhauled. But at least we should limit the number of access points so we can check and approve who and how many we are letting in. (laughs) That's the way it works every time Margie and I want to go to a Chicago Cubs ball game. Can we all agree that's important? Well then, 
If you can agree that's important, then let me turn a corner and, by analogy, take you to another border problem that most of us, especially these days, seem to forget about. It's a border where we have become lax and we've let in all sorts of unvetted entities. Where is this open border, you say? Well, it's the open border to our minds. Picture this border. On one side is information, and on the other side is our mind. Information from sources all around the world of information, and ideas, and data, and analyses, and assertions of fact, and opinions, and proposals are trying to cross into our minds every day. And this border is far too open. We have already erected some walls at certain points because we've decided to keep certain ideas and information out, for for better or for worse. But we have far too many access points where ideas come into our minds without being screened for accuracy, uh, validity. I mean, is this information slanted is a question we should be asked. Is it incomplete? Are these ideas biased? Is the logic flawed? Are the sources reputable? Are data being misused, controlled, or worse, censored, hidden? When, when we aren't careful to vet all that's attempting to come into our minds, all sorts of problems occur. I mean, you can start holding opinions that are simply poorly supported. You might mistake an assertion as fact simply because someone repeats it often enough. And boy, is that happening today. Some perspective may take up residence in your mind illegally on the heels of a hidden bias. And once those things happen, it's hard to hunt down the imposter facts and deport the false conclusions that you're influenced by. All right, well, I've probably taken this analogy as far as I need to, and I should state the point simply. Most of us are prone to be very lax about what information we let into our minds without checking for accuracy and validity. Unvetted information is behind so much of the division in our world today. Well, what do we do about that? Two things. The first thing we need to do is to inspect what you let into your mind much more carefully. That's what I've already been talking about. But eventually in this podcast, I'm going to move on and also say that we must shift our communication goal from point-making to peacemaking. Let's look first at this need for more careful inspection of the information that we bring in. We simply must question every piece of information that we let into our minds. Where does it come from? Who says so? Am I swayed toward this position because it's the popular or the majority position? Second, even more important and more difficult, we must resist the habit of seeking and accepting information that's only from sources that affirm what we already think. For example, All right, if you trust Fox News, but you can't stand MSNBC, 
you still need to spend some time, not necessarily equal time, but some time listening to how MSNBC commentators analyze and characterize current events. And by all means, never blindly accept what Fox News says MSNBC says or thinks, using perhaps only a few clips and sound bites of the worst examples of MSNBC, right? Well, and conversely, it is, is also true. If you can't stand Fox News and you love NPR, you still need to spend some time finding the best examples of Fox News trying to keep their promise of being fair and balanced. In other words, Listen to whatever source is likely to contradict your point of view and listen as if they are your only source of information so that you really are listening for, you're really hearing, you're really understanding their case. Third, you need to open up to a broader diet of input and actually do a little research yourself. This is called opposition research. And it needs to be dispassionate. That means you need to approach it in kind of a neutral frame of mind. For example, you could pretend you are in a debate competition. And your assignment is to argue for the side that you actually don't agree with. That means that you're going to have to go research their position in a way that might present an argument that is very convincing. Did you know, for example that there's an international body of 1,609 reputable scientists and climatologists, including two Nobel laureates, who take issue with what they say is a seriously flawed science behind some of the global warming warnings. Now, no matter where you finally land, you should at least hear their arguments, right? Has your information source told you about their recent declaration called the No Climate Emergency? If not, why not? We each simply need to maintain a conscious presence at the border of information and our minds to vet what we consider taking in and to notice what we're not taking in that maybe we should be. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if we all were more careful to vet everything that we let into our mind for accuracy and validity, we would all agree and get along. Of course not. I mean, there are many other reasons why people disagree than just poor information, lack of information, or faulty thinking. But here's what would happen. The more people who have a sincere quest for a sincere quest for accurate information and careful thinking, the more likely our conversations will transform from vitriolic shouts of, I can't believe you think that. How can you think that? To something more like this. Well, I can understand why you hold that point of view, but I look at it another way. You see, that shift in how we relate over differences of opinion can lower the inflammatory rhetoric, and keep us from reaching a boiling point. And that leads me to the second action point I'm talking about this uh, today. When it comes to holding and arguing your position, your communication goal should 
not be about making your point, but about making peace. Let me remind you about some things that the Apostle Paul and others wrote. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There's no qualifier there. That doesn't say, unless, of course, they're, they're extremist leftists or extremist rightists or whatever. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Not only are we to be um, trying to make peace with everyone, no matter, uh, you know, as far as it's up to us, but it was to be a great effort, make every effort to actually do this. (laughs) This is a a high calling, isn't it? And then uh, the writer to Hebrews wrote, make every effort to live in peace with all people. Now, Remember, peace is not the absence of disagreement or opposition, but it's the presence of significant differences without making enemies, without accusation, without animosity, without resentment, without retaliation, or the desire to do away with the other person's opinion. So the question is, how, in a world of escalating division, In almost every realm of life, you know, political, moral, cultural, educational, social, economic, religious, how do we make peace and not enemies? Well, I want to tell you, this takes good character. And I mean, this is what the whole Intersection podcast is all about, is bringing us to that point of looking at what how this challenges us to improve our character. And in this case, it takes good character, particularly in four character traits that I believe foster more peacemaking communication. They are respect, generosity, particularly generosity of spirit, honesty, and humility. As a peacemaker, your goal should be to understand the other person's point of view and focus on why it seems right to them more than why it seems wrong to you. And that takes real respect. Now, in my courses on character, I define respect this way. It means to believe in and look for the value of every person and treat them accordingly. Believing in the value of every person, well, we can do that. It's kind of a head thing. But then it's actually that looking for the value of every person. But it's even more than looking for that. It's ultimately treating them accordingly treating them as persons with value. Whether a person is right or wrong, they are a person who should be afforded the opportunity to be heard by you respectfully. Lots of the time, though, I admit, people with opposing points of view to yours do not communicate with the same respect for you. I understand that. And that's why the next character trait, generosity, particularly generosity of spirit, comes into a play into play. Again, in my courses on character, I define generosity as gladly giving what others did not earn, deserve, expect, or require. Gladly giving what others did not earn, deserve, expect, or require. 
Perhaps the other person does not communicate with respect. Perhaps they're not listening to you. Perhaps they mischaracterized you or even impugned your motives or your intelligence. Perhaps. But a generous spirit still listens with respect, thinking something like perhaps this. You know, I wonder, maybe this person has never been shown how to communicate respectfully. Maybe they haven't had that modeled in their life. Maybe they haven't had that held up as a standard that's worth pursuing. Maybe they've been sorely mistreated in the past and they're just bracing themselves in, in anticipation of being verbally attacked or disparaged. I mean, you get the idea. A generous spirit tries to understand, not excuse, but understand the other person's attitude or behavior by giving them the gift of thinking better of that person than perhaps their attitude deserves. That's a generous spirit, you see. (laughs) But that generous spirit is very hard to generate because it requires two other character traits that we all desperately need that often go hand in hand. And that's humility and honesty. In this case, those two traits sound like this going on in your mind. I will care more about hearing you than you hearing me. Because I don't have the corner on the market of knowledge and sound reasoning. There may be things I have not heard or thought about. You see, that's humble and that's honest. Plus, if you're humble and honest, you'll you'll recognize and readily admit that we all have the tendency to hear only the information that supports our preconceived ideas and conclusions. And you'll be ready to admit that you are prone to receive easily information, sources, data, opinions that support what we want to think without checking its, its accuracy. And Uh, We're too prone to reject too quickly information, sources, data, and opinions that we assume will contradict what we want to think. Without taking the steps that I've pointed out in this episode, we'll never have anything but conflict and anger with our opposition. What we're shooting for is not an open or closed border to our minds, but a controlled border where all ideas are heard and vetted with care. Well, I've written another crosswalk for you this week called Guard Your Mental Border. Uh, It's got some practice exercise in it to help you do a better job of inspecting the information you accept or reject, and to improve the character traits that I've referred to, the respect and the generosity and the humility and the honesty that will help you uh, be a peacemaker more than a point maker regarding your opinions. Like one of the examples I'm giving you encourages, encourages you to think about this actual border crisis and try to understand how those opposing your position, how they can possibly hold their position. I mean, where you you seriously have to think, is there, is, do they have good reasons? And not just good reasons, do they have values? Do they have certain values that they're trying to adhere to that, that just moves them to that position? 
That's kind of the practice that you'll be having along with us, some other ones in this crosswalk. I think you're going to enjoy the practice. Well, there's another podcast. I hope you appreciate what I'm trying to do. So again, please, would you share it with your friends? I mean, our subscriptions are, are building slowly, but please subscribe to my Fresh Impact YouTube channel. Uh, it helps so much for more people to see this, to find this when they search about something about character or current events. Now, again, in 24 hours, I'll have a permanent version on YouTube and an audio-only version for those who want to listen on the go. All of the information about the podcast, past and future, can be found on our website, and all the links are going to be at the end of this video. So thanks again so much for tuning in. If you think this podcast is a valuable resource and hope it will continue to be, would you leave me a comment or just send me an email? Well, I hope again that you'll join me next week at the intersection with Doug Newton. I'm already looking forward to talking to you about our culture's way of seeing intimacy with people and even with God in a narrow way. In the meantime, remember, would you be a peacemaker and not a point maker? See you next week.